never let them stop your grind And when it's time, don't ever let them stop your shine Why? Cause you work hard to get there When you get stuck, look up, don't just sit there There's haters regardless, just do what you do You ain't through till it's finished, man, that's what winners do Hey guys, and welcome back to Maddie Stanzo's podcast. I have a very special guest here today with me. Um, his name's Brett. I'll let him introduce himself. He's a very special guy. Um, he's a big motivator for me in the gym, um, and his box jumps are insane. So, Brett, I welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, really, really good to be here. I think it's probably been a, a long time coming. Um, obviously, yes. known each other for a little while now, and I've always looked at you know what each, each other do like you said, in the gym, but also outside of it. So, yeah, really happy to, to be on here and, and share a few words with you. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm super pumped for this one, I reckon. I'm probably going to listen back to this at least two or three times. I reckon there's going to be some <laughs> good bits of information in here. But anyways, we'll jump straight into it. So, obviously, for the listeners that obviously don't know who you are because maybe they're not from Kaima area or seen your social media yet, um, can you give us a brief rundown on, like, who you are, um, what do you do and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, my name is Brett Canelli. Um, I, I do a few things uh, at the moment. I'll, I'll give you the what I'm doing now and then give you the backstory because I think it's important to, to do it that way. But um, I, I'm a surfer, you know, first and foremost. Um, I'm also a shark attack survivor. Um, I work in the mental health space. I'm a motivational keynote speaker. Uh, and really, I, I do classify myself as uh, a bit of a storyteller uh, in, in one way or another, not just my story, but also trying to get the best out of other people's stories too. So um, that, that's, you know, what I'm doing today. But I suppose the, the reason I got to this point uh, is because of uh, the, the second thing that I said there, the, the shark attack, which is for me, uh, you know, something I'm sure we'll, we'll go over in a bit more depth throughout the podcast today. But that for me, that life-changing event was something that uh, really changed the course of, of, of my life in a pretty profound way. Um, and really changed the, the person who I was uh, for the attack, uh, not, not only just in, in what I do for, for work and, and my purpose and my identity, but uh, you know, my outlook on life, the, the way I approach uh, not only challenges, but um, you know, the person I want to be moving forward, my goals. A lot of things were really uh, putting the perspective, uh, which I think you know, anyone you talk to who goes through a significant event, especially one where... You, know, you realize how fragile life can be uh, and how close I did come to losing my life and you know, what that actually did to me was was quite quite significant and has motivated me to to do all the things that I am doing today so um, you know that's that's a little bit of background um, I suppose to, to give um, some more background into to who I am as, as a person like I said a surfer is something that I always uh, was always will be Um that's probably the reason I say that first is because uh, that's probably one of the most important parts of, of who I am. You know, before the attack, uh, everything in my life was revolved around surfing. Not only a sport what I enjoyed doing, a uh, sport I was, I was good at competitively. Um, it was my job. It's where my friends were. It was coping strategy. It was just everything that my life was was revolved around surfing. And um, after that shark attack, I was actually told that I would never do the sport again. And uh, hearing that and, and going through you know, the emotional roller coaster that that brings, that loss of purpose and identity, is something that I never thought that I was going to be able to call myself a surfer again. Yeah. And to work through the recovery, the rehab, and get back to the point where you know I can lead into an intro to myself as saying, 
you know, I am a surfer and a shark attack survivor is something that I do take a lot of pride in. So uh, growing up in Kaima around the ocean is something that has really shaped me who I am, not only in the sport, but I think the, the community that we have down here is something that is uh, really, really incredible and uh, something that is supportive, not only for me, but I, I know for a lot of people who you know, go through life living in a small community, it, it does have its... Um, it's tendencies when it comes to it being small and everyone knows everything, but when you yeah. do need something like that to help you through a tough time, it's uh, it's an amazing thing to have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Kayama community, like obviously you and I know each other uh, from the gym, but like I can resonate with you obviously in a different way, but when sport is your identity and, you know, you, you suffer some major trauma or injury and that identity almost gets just stripped away from you, you kind of left going with like, who am I? Like you question yourself. You're like, who am I? What do I do now? Like I so resonate with that. It's, it's such a hard thing, but the community we have in Kayama is so supportive. Like I know Tommy, like your trainer and everyone that I was there, my best mate, like everyone just knows everyone and it's always yeah. a good thing most of the time, you know, but um, it is, we are very lucky to live in a place where, where we live. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, Running from that, before we get into, obviously, I know a lot of people are probably listening going, I want to hear more about the Shark Attack, Shark Attack. Um, I want to jump into like, so what do you do now? So obviously, I know what you do now with like the mental health movement, um, but what do you do now? Yeah. And like, why did you why did you start doing that? Um, yeah, so my transition into um, speaking and in particular in the mental health space is something that uh, it wasn't something I really set out to do. Um, after going through the attack, my recovery, and uh, kind of reflecting on the story that I had built up until that point, I realised pretty early on that I wanted to use my story to help other people. Um, you know, the support that I got from other people, as I said before, was one of the biggest things that helped me through my time of need. And I realised very early on how important that was, and I really wanted to give back to people like that. Yeah. So that was kind of my my idea and I was like well I want to share my story to try and help others but I don't really know how like I it's not like you can really just stand up on you know put a, a, a uh, you know a box in the middle of town and just start speaking yeah, it just doesn't yeah. happen like that <laughs> yeah um and I was I was actually talking to um, my physiotherapist about it one day because um, he was a big support to me as well like a, like a lot of people that helped me through my recovery like like Tommy and a lot yeah. of people at the gym for the physical side of things um and I was talking to Scott about what I wanted to do there. And for some reason, I always thought about being, you know, a support in the recovery sense. So kind of being like a Scott or a Tom to other people who are going through serious recoveries. Yeah. Um, you know, bouncing back from a trauma. And um, I was actually talking him through that. And he was like, well, you know, you got to go to uni. you got to become a physiotherapist to be able to, you know, juggle both of those things. He goes, my, my wife is actually working for this company called Mental Health Movement. I said, you know, uh, they actually said they're getting really busy at the moment and might be looking for more people to jump on and share their story and, and be a part of it. I was like, well, I never really thought about it in that sense before. Like, obviously, up until that point, I knew there was a big component around mental health in my recovery, but I'd never really thought about what value that could provide for other people. And I was like, okay, I might just meet with them and, and see see how it goes. And I had a meeting with Dan, um, Dan Hunt, who started the company, and just as soon as he started explaining you know, the work that they do and the approach that they take, um, not only just in workplaces but in you know, schools, sporting groups, community organisations and using that power of story to connect and break down barriers to then educate on the important topics that people 
need to learn around mental health and I was like that's that's it that's perfect like I, I can't think of you know a more perfect way to be able to use my story and to you know build some more confidence as well around my story because a lot of people say it must be tough uh, you know standing in front of groups of people and, and sharing something that's so personal to you and I'll say it's not that difficult like I've never really been great at public speaking but when you are speaking something that's so true to your own experience and really just recounting your experience and everything there is so valid to what people need to know, especially in the mental health space. It it became really easy and it it came quite naturally to me. Um, And I think one of the biggest things is just that, that sense of fulfillment, like uh, being able to finish a talk and have people afterwards come up and shake your hand or or message you later on and just say, you know, what I got from your, your talk, you know, not only just your story, but the other things around it is stuff that I'm, I'm going to take away with me for a long time. So now, I've never had that from a job before. Like I'd always worked something in surfing, like in, in a surf shop or yeah. um, as a surf coach. And you can't really change someone's life by selling them a good surfboard. Like you can you can make them happy, yeah. but it's not going to change someone's life. And having a job that gives you that feeling is is something that I'm very, very grateful to, to be able to do. It's so rewarding and I feel like it's so much better than any price tag that you could put on on that type of job like I would happily do a talk for free and and know that you've helped like 20 30 kids then get paid a thousand bucks and helped too you know I mean like it's such a cool thing yeah and that's really where it started for me too like even um as I was kind of having these conversations and getting into that work I actually had another one of my friends reach out to me who worked at a, a school um and he, he was like, it was, are you okay, Dan? He was like, can you come just tell your story? And it was, it was actually pretty soon after my, like through my recovery, I think it was only probably four months after the attack. Yeah, okay. So I hadn't even gotten back into the water yet. I was really just going through you know, what I was, where I was at at the time and kind of my process. And I just said, you know, what was true to me up until that point. He gave me like 40 minutes of talk. And after it, he came up to me and he said, I've, I've never seen this group of students still for that amount of time <laughs> yeah and it was there yeah. where I was like wow this is actually powerful yeah like I, I have something that's that I can you know get people involved and interested with and, and that's really where I was like okay I, I know this is something that I, I want to definitely do and definitely chase yeah no it's so good on you for like to stand up and actually um have have something so personal to talk about and you just be able to be open about it. It's such a good thing because it's it's real-life experience, you know. Like these kids just want people out there that they can relate to in some way, have the same age, have the same outlook, you know, whatever it might be. It's just such a cool thing to have like role models like you. So it's it's awesome. Um, <laughs> so we're going to jump into obviously the, um, the attack itself. So like run us through like – so what happened, like what were your thoughts, you know, like and obviously like you just mentioned, um, how did you overcome to get back, like that battle to get back in the water and start surfing again? Yeah, so um, I mean there's, it's funny, like there's so much I could tell about the attack. Like I, yeah. I could honestly probably talk for like three hours if I, I recounted every single detail. But yeah. I think it's like one thing you said there is, you know, what were your thoughts and, and what was you know going through your mind? That, that's probably one of the more common questions I get asked. And you know, if I am doing a brief recount of my story, I like to answer the three most common questions I get asked, yeah, which is honestly it. like the, 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 the top three <laughs> is, did it hurt? Yeah. Um, how big was the shark and what was going through your mind? So 
like the did it hurt might sound like a funny question um, but it's something that a lot of people yeah. want to know yeah <laughs> like, and it's surprising because I, I didn't feel any pain at the start like when you understand how the body actually works in traumatic situations like that and the amount of adrenaline you release to mask that pain is something yeah. that is pretty incredible so no i didn't feel any pain um you know, the shark was big enough <laughs> i always say it was two and a half three meters I estimated um yeah. based on the size of its, its teeth marks but the question about you know what was going through your mind is probably one of the most profound uh, when it comes to my experience because I think a lot of people, like if I put them in my shoes and say, look, imagine you've just been, you know, you're sitting out the back waiting for a wave. It's just like any other afternoon that you're surfing. You know, you've done this for 12 years up until this point. Nothing really to expect. Sitting there and you get hit from your right side and you get thrown off your surfboard. Everything happens so quick and before you can even look around, you you look down at your leg and a shark's biting. And I ask people, like, what's, what's going through your mind? And everyone usually says, like, a a four-letter word or a collection of four-letter words. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, and that's totally understandable. But for me, it was it was nothing. Like, everything was blank. So in those situations, your body enters fight, flight, or freeze, and I was definitely frozen. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, I didn't know this until later on, but freeze is just like a, a bit of a placeholder. Yeah. So freeze is fight or flight on hold. So you're trying to take in some information to make the correct decision. So whilst I didn't have anything going through my head because I was frozen, like thoughts were frozen, um, actions were frozen, even like time was frozen. It's slowed down to the point of stopping. All you're doing in that moment is trying to take on this information. So as I look back on it retrospectively, there's these tiny little details that I can remember that are so ingrained in my memory, like the feel of the shark's skin, mm-hmm. the look in its eyes, the fact that there's no noise, even though I know I'm shouting for help. Yeah. Like the information gathering process while you're frozen is what gives people the those really vivid, um, I suppose, memories of trauma. So having those is something I think is actually a good thing for me when I do recount it to, to talk about them. But you know, I went from being frozen to the thought coming into my head of, that's right, you're supposed to punch sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Punching, <laughs> okay. And, yeah, and that, it makes total sense. I tried to punch it and then remember you can't punch through water. Yeah. So then it's like, well, I've got one other option, which is which is flight. So I tried to get away from the shark. Um, in that process, uh, it was still holding onto my leg as I pulled away from it, and it just separated a large chunk of my my left quad from my body. Um, you know, one of the the very unfortunate things about how fragile we are as humans yeah. <laughs> is is how uh, yeah how you know, if I mean, and on top of that, sharks' teeth are razor razor sharp. Like even. My hand, I've got scars on that, and all that did was just nick its teeth on the way past as I was trying to fight it off. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as it did rip that chunk of my leg off, it allowed me to escape and try and get back to the beach. And, um, you know, it's one of the scariest moments I've ever had in my life was when I had the thought come over me of as I'm, you know, swimming towards the beach as hard as I can of, you know, I wonder if it's going to come back a second time and sure enough, I have to look over my shoulder to see it actually approaching that second time and only really had one option, which is to put my hands out to try and stop it. Um, and luckily, uh, I had the thought come over me to actually turn around. Otherwise, I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. Um, and was able to hold it off until the next wave hit us and um, kind of separated us underwater because there was enough turbulence in the whitewash. And um, luckily, my one of my best friends, Joel, was surfing with me at the time 
um, decided to first of all come for a surf because he doesn't often do that when I call him. He'll either show up late or not show up at all. <laughs> um, second of all, paddled towards the danger, um, which you know I'm always going to be eternally grateful for. And I think if you're in his shoes, you never know what you're going to do until you're faced with a moment like that. So for him to paddle towards me, um, put me on his board, take me ashore, and, and really save my life is something that I'm always going to be in debt to him for. Um, yeah. And you know, it's all the actions, the, the small things that he did along the way to, to really save my life uh, are things that when I look back, there's so much that shouldn't have gone in my favour. You know, I, yeah. being attacked by a shark is unlucky itself. So from the moment of being attacked, like the most unlucky moment of my life, everything that happened after that was so lucky. The fact that Joel was there, the fact that the shark had missed my femoral artery by like a millimetre, that is what the doctors were saying. Like if it hit my femoral artery, I would have been dead yeah. before I got to yeah. um, You know, even down to the fact that it just missed my bone so they wouldn't have to amputate. Joel's wife was on the beach and she's an intensive care nurse and there was one other nurse walking along. So all these little bits of luck added together to not only save my life but um, really give me a, a pretty unique perspective on what it's like to be so unlucky but then be so lucky afterwards. Yeah. Um, so that's and, Sorry, that's just such a strong mindset to have as well. Do you know what I mean? Like that is like to take that away from that situation, that just blows my mind and I just want to point that out because that's insane. Yeah. Well, that only comes with with time and perspective, though. Like, yeah. that, that wasn't something I realised as I woke up in hospital. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and especially when you're faced with the reality of, um, you know, what the doctors are telling you, what's going to be, you know, what you can expect or what's going to be possible of you, you know, in the coming years or for, for your livelihood moving forward. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is hard to get that perspective and it does take time and it does take... I think having some some good mentors and some good people in your life to help you work through it as well. Yeah, like that, that's not something I, I would have got by myself. Like I already mentioned, some of the influential people, like with Scott, Tom, and yeah. some of my really close friends and my, and my family that really helped me through that. And they were the ones that helped me gain that perspective of you know going from unlucky to lucky to you know having a completely different view on life now after going through something like that. Um, because the, the recovery process is something that was difficult and I know you're someone who knows what it's like to try and come back from injuries and what that is like you know, as a human and how lonely that process can be is, yeah. is something that I think a lot of people forget. Um, and I think as well for me, like the, there was a strange situation where I felt so much support during the daytimes, like as people could come and visit me, people could see me, people could talk to me, they could call me on the phone. But as soon as it's nighttime in hospital, all your support goes home and it's just you laying in a hospital bed. Yeah. It's so, yeah. so lonely. And, you know, I know the other thing too is um, as you're doing your rehab, you know, you, you don't train with the team. Like, you don't, you, you get separated from your normal environment and you have to learn so often to try and get through that by yourself. And it's a, a very hard place to be. So the early days when I was going through my recovery were, were definitely the hardest in dealing with those you know, toxic negative thoughts of you know, how unlucky it was, um, not only feeling isolated in you know, what I was going through, feeling physically isolated, but feeling like statistically isolated too in the odds of being attacked by a shark, like yeah. 3.6 million, which is ridiculous. Um, so it was easy for me to have that negative mindset and it was something that really... It caused me to struggle for 
a, a large part of that, that early recovery until I was able to start connecting a little bit more with the people around me and the support, which helped me get back to, you know, seeing things a little bit clearer and being a little bit more grateful for my situation. And, um, you know, that's something that took the support of other people. I, I couldn't really do that by myself. If I was, you know, if I had no support through that, I, I don't know where I'd be now. Yeah. That's a scary thought. It is. It certainly is. Yeah. So what um what kind of got you back into the water? Like what, you know, what did you have to, what were your thoughts when you first got back in the ocean and stuff like that? Obviously you're surfing again now um, and yeah. everything like that. So how did you get to, to that point? Um, the things that are written behind you on that whiteboard, goals. Yeah, goals. Um, <laughs> That's good. Like that, that for me was, was one of the biggest things when it came to helping me through my recovery. Like I I actually only looked back on this recently. I've actually been talking about it quite a bit. Um, And it was the first message I received from Scott while I was still in hospital because he reached out to me. I didn't know him before then. Mm -hmm. And he sent me a message and just introduced himself. He was like, I went to school with Joel. Um, I own a physio um, uh, in Kiama. I want to help you get better when you get out. So come and see me. And then the line that he put at the bottom of the message was one of the most important things because he said, you know, you do have a long road of recovery ahead. Um, just know that people often fail not by aiming too high and missing, but by aiming too low and, and hitting those goals and yeah. leaving so much more potential on the table because that for so many people, you know, that fear of failure is what stops a lot of people from writing down those lofty goals that, you know, we often need to be able to reach our full potential. And, for me, the loftiest goal that I was aiming for was surfing again because I was told by doctors that I would never do it. Like I, I had pretty much had to give away the sport and shouldn't even think about doing it again just due to the damage to my leg and the, the lack of strength. And Scott was the person that set that goal for me. Um, he was really the one that drove me in that direction and, and helped me personally, but everyone around me helped me get towards that goal. And having those goals is, is something that's so powerful and, something I realized um, as I was going through my recovery is as you've got those things, and I'm sure you know this and, and tell this to a lot of people, is that it's really the, the hard work along that process to help get you there and you have your smaller goals along the way which keep you on track. And it doesn't matter if you achieve those goals or not. Like, like yeah. you said, you know, you, you don't fail by setting a high, a high goal and, and missing that because if you've done everything you can to you know, be a better version than know a better person than what you were yesterday if you put things in place if you've worked hard if you don't reach that goal there's there's no shame in failure because you should have pride in what you've actually tried to achieve there yeah and you can always recalibrate and and try different goals after that and you can only learn from failure and that's one of the things that i learned along the way that have helped me not only achieve getting back into the water but a lot of the things that i do now in my life like that that philosophy is something that i try and live by every single day and you know being able to get back in the water was massive for me yeah like i said even if i wasn't able to do it the amount that i learned on that recovery journey was so valuable to me and you know i think if i didn't learn anything from my situation i probably would have surfed again and just gone back to being the same person and for me surf, a lot of people are like oh you must be happy to surf again like just go back to the old you and i'm like well the there really is not an old me anymore. Like I'm still a surfer, as I said, right at the start, but there's so much more to me now. Like before that's all I had. It's, it's everything I presented. It was everything that I, I really wanted to do and be around. And 
now I have that, but so much more. Yeah. Um, not only in, in what I can do and what I can provide, but just other parts of my life that are you know, simple. It's like working on my relationships, you know, being able to travel somewhere that doesn't have a coastline. Because before, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Like I was so focused on surf that it just closes your mind to a lot of things. So having that perspective is something that I'm, I'm very, very grateful for, even though it came as a result of something you know, that was you know, a, a negative experience on the face of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's always just how you take those experiences. And, and I say this to a lot of people, it's like, yeah, we've got handed like a, a really crappy moment, a really crappy experience. But it's like, what do you take from that? Like, that is the true value in, in learning and growing as a person is just like, how much can you take away from this situation and then grow from there? Yeah. And it's unfortunate that you know sometimes it takes those those bad situations for people to be able to grow. But you know, that's that's one. Like, I can't think of many experiences in my life where I've been able to grow from having an easy ride, or, yeah. or from from things falling into place. Like, yeah, they make life easier and it makes it simple. But I'm sure if you look back and, and have a bit of perspective, there's probably some sort of pain or some sort of struggle or or something that's gotten you to the point where you've had to ask yourself the hard questions or had to do things that you may not have wanted to do to help those easy things happen later in life. And I think a lot of a lot is to be learned from the struggle. Of course, yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. So, well, we'll wrap up soon. I have one more question for you. Um, mm. I always ask this question in any of my podcasts just because I love people's um, views. But what's some advice that you'd give to anyone listening? It can be like aimed at obviously maybe another person that likes surfing. It can be aimed at just someone going through a struggle. Any advice that you could give to anyone? Um. I think a big thing is to not judge yourself until there's a finished product. Like I think that's a a big thing that a lot of people fail to do because life these days is so instant. Like with with technology, with with everything that we do, it's like I need to do something and and get the gratification from it straight away. A lot of people ask me, like uh, especially when it comes to my story, like, oh, yeah, like – you must be happy to get through the recovery. And I'm like, well, my recovery is not done. And that's an important thing. Like I'm, I'm always going to be working on, on being better. Like no one's story is necessarily finished. Like there's always twists and turns. And I don't think we should ever judge ourselves until you know, we are at a point where we're comfortable reflecting and, and saying, I'm going to sit down and see what I've actually learned from this experience. And, you know, we can't just say, oh, I failed, let's move on. We need to actually sit down and learn from it. So I'd say not judge yourself too early because that's the, the biggest thing that I've learned is that, you know, your, your story is never never really done. You can work at it for as long as you want. And that's kind of the the thrill of, of you know, being alive, I suppose, and, and life is that it's a, an ongoing thing that we all get to do every single day, you know, and if you can make the most of that, then you're on a pretty good path. Yeah, I love that. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing um, your story today and thank you for sharing that advice. It was definitely, I bet, needed by a lot of people to hear that. So you're definitely going to help a lot of listeners. Um, but yeah, thanks for taking the time out today. I know you're a man in demand. I heard that you got another <laughs> podcast tonight. So um, I'll let you go enjoy your afternoon. But thank you so much for jumping on uh, the podcast today, Bredo. Uh, thanks heaps for having me. Um, again, my thing's always to, to try and help at least one person. So if, I, if I've done that, then it's always worth it. I'm sure you definitely have. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. Never let them stop your grind. And when it's time, don't ever let them stop your shine. Why?
Cause you work hard to get there When you get stuck, look up, don't just sit there There's haters regardless, just do what you do You ain't through till it's finished, man, that's what winners do